I still say that needs to be my new theme song. I just love that thing. You should have heard it for the first time last week. The guys all up in the front row, they just were like, man, they were, they were taking off. All right. <laughs> it's good to see everyone here tonight. Was that some awesome worship? Well, we're not done. We're going to come back to that. Amen. Well, we're in a series, and it's called GOAT, the greatest of all time. So we did week one last week, and so I'm going to jump right in because I got a little bit to cover, in, well, a lot of it to cover in a short period of time. So let's see if we can do this. So, folks, I'll tell you what. We have developed a bit of a curiosity, and I think it's a, it, it's a sublime thing. And I, we look at the folkloric, we look at kind of the scary stories kind of things. We're drawn to that. We love a good scary, scary story around the campfire. We tongue-in-cheek uncover the tales of cryptids like werewolves and vampires and Bigfoot and boogeyman and the like. Old empty houses give us a tingle up our spine. Our entertainment choices seem to be dominated by the internet, or I'm sorry, the interest in disturbing to- topics like witchcraft and spells and magic and superpowers and things like that. Dark beings from other worlds or dimensions. You know, even today, computer games allow us to confront dark beings and defeat them. We can even, at times, kind of play role and become those things to gain power, just for fun, of course. So why is this so? Perhaps there are Freudian reasons for this, for such dark compulsions of human desire and forbidden secret beliefs and doings, maybe. Or is it something far more profound and more existential than we realize? There are those in this world who know the truth, and they just may or may not be on your side. Why did Jesus come to the earth? Well, to set us free from our sins, of course, to die on the cross for us. But why did he do that? How did he pull that off? Well, folks, I'm telling you how he did it was in the greatest story, the greatest impact, the greatest clash of kingdoms than perhaps you've even fully realized. We call him the goat, not just because he is who he is and what we talked about last week. He is the goat because he fought a battle for you and me that has absolutely and literally changed the world. God knew this. Jesus knew this. And Satan knew this. See, this war, as we're going to call it, this spiritual war, has taken place from the very beginning of time. And we are told that Jesus, when he was coming to the earth or in, prepare, in preparation, we know that Isaiah was telling us that he was going to come. He was telling the people of God he was going to come. And you can know that there wasn't enough detail. It was just, a, just enough of a prophetic kind of shadow, if you will. Satan knew it was going to happen, but he didn't know when. He didn't know fully how. So when the stars aligned and when the virgin was with child, Satan, of course, began to move on the hearts of human beings. One in particular, we know him as Herod. And Herod was caught up in this darkness. He, he didn't know why he needed to confront and to destroy this coming king. He just knew he was being driven by another realm. The war was coming. The war and the clouds were beginning to form. And this goat, this man we know as Jesus Christ, 
was coming not only to die for our sins, but he was coming to win a battle. He was coming to change the spiritual dimension for me and you. You know, Herod knew that a king was coming. It was all the talk. But how would he come? How would this king come? So inside, he rose up. And of course, he didn't want this king to come because he was a king. And so he was going to do everything in his power to thwart this, to destroy this king. And then when, of course, he realized it was going to be a baby that came, he destroyed all the babies, didn't he? Two years old and younger. But he was not going to stop God. He was not going to stop what God had determined was going to happen. Because, you see, there was another battle that was going on beyond the scenes, beyond what any of us saw. There was a clash of kingdoms in the heavenlies. God said, I am determined to win my people back. And Satan rose up and said, I'm going to try to stop you. The war begins. The war is then engaged as Jesus Christ is born. And the principalities and powers are all stirring. And as this little boy is growing and he's learning and he's developing and he's becoming the savior of the world, he's becoming the goat, it becomes evidently clear to all the angels and all the demons and Satan himself that there was going to be a showdown. And we see this. We see this right there in Mark chapter 1 when Jesus, of course, is baptized by John. It says this, and at once the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness, and he was there for 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels ministered to him, and after the arrest of John, Jesus went into Galilee and proclaimed the gospel of God. The time is fulfilled, is what Jesus said. Those words came out of it. He said, the time is now. Everything is fulfilled. Everything is aligned. Now is the time. And he said, and the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe in the gospel. And now Jesus begins to go forward. But you'll notice what happens the moment Jesus comes up out of that water to be baptized. Satan is going to challenge him. Jesus knows this has to happen. And it's amazing, this confrontation, movies been made after about this. They, they, they know this is the greatest story that has ever been told that actually happened. And so after he is baptized, he is driven into the wilderness. He's going to confront Darth Vader. No, it's Satan. Yeah. He's going to confront him. And of course, he comes with what? With temptation. Lust of the eyes. Lust of the flesh and the pride of life. And of course, Jesus resists all three. Bats away every attempt of Satan to try to dissuade him, to try to tear him down, to try to take this king and to compromise himself and not become the warrior king that he was sent to be. So the battle has begun. And so the enemy is trying to dissuade him, is trying to pull him away. And the strategy is revealed. It's exposed. He's going to try to use temptation. Jesus knows. He uses the word of God to bat off every attempt of the enemy. And it's what's interesting is that you'll notice in his attack, Satan comes to him and he says, look. He took him to a high place. He says, look at all the kingdoms of the world. Look at all the nations of the world. He says, I will give those to you. I'll give them all to you if you will just bow down and worship me. Isn't that interesting? 
I didn't know that they were his to give. Didn't God create the earth? Was Satan lying? No, he wasn't. He wasn't lying. In fact, in one of the only few times you'll ever hear Satan telling the truth, he was telling the truth there. And that's why he was tempting Jesus to bow down to him so that he might become a king, but only under his throne. But there was a totally different, totally different uh, strategy that was taking place that Satan did not know about. And so he's telling him, look, if you'll worship me, I'll give this all to you. Jesus, under his breath, is going, uh, Dad's, Dad's going to give it to me. You just have no clue how it's going to happen. And so he resists, and he says, no. The jurisdiction is not going to be changed. But what a shocking uh, 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 reality that the earth was being ruled by this dark lord, this, this, this god of this world, this prince of the air. But Jesus came to confront him. And so there's warfare taking place here, folks. But notice how the enemy is so subtly going after and causing him not to just fight it out, but to say, look, if I can get you to compromise, if I can get you to forget who you are, if I can cause you to pull away and to sin and to give in to pride and lust and evil desire, then I can compromise you and I will checkmate you. Didn't happen. Never going to happen. And then, folks, the war escalates. Because now Jesus knows he's got him on the ropes. What does Jesus do next? Well, he goes to destroy his kingdom. He goes to undo what Satan has done. And so what does he do? Now, now remember this. You, you know, you've, you've read the gospel. What does Jesus do? Does he go and just tell people that repent and believe for the kingdom of God is here? Of course, he's, that's what he says. But what else does he do? He heals people. He casts out demons. He destroys the work of the devil. It's game on now, folks. Jesus is the goat because he took on Satan on his own turf and he beat him over and over and over again. And it's interesting. When you think about the demonic powers that were ruling and reigning and and dominating people and making them sick and, and bringing bondage to their lives, Jesus pointed that out over and over again. And what is interesting, if you'll read in the Gospels, you'll notice that every single one of those demons knew who he was. In fact, they would yell out and say, don't, don't, don't cast us out or we know who you are. You're the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Please, don't punish us here. And Jesus said, just, just get out of here. Out. You no longer are ruling on this earth anymore. See, you and I, and you probably are just sitting there thinking, well, Jesus came, and he's the goat because he died on the cross. Oh, he did far more than that, folks. Far, far more than that. And you know what? It gets better, a lot better. Matthew chapter 4, 23 through 25 says this. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. Why does he keep talking about this kingdom? Because the kingdom of God had come. Something new was being launched. A king 
who was going to rule over this kingdom had come. And Jesus was telling them, letting them know this is all getting ready to change. He's proclaiming the good news and healing every disease and sickness among the people, undoing the work of the enemy, the bondage and the destruction and the breakdown, the sickness that comes in both the body and the soul. News about him spread over all Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering with severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Did he heal them just for healing's sake? Was he just being nice? I mean, I love the thought of that, that Jesus is so kind. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And I think most of us grow up thinking that, that only Jesus was motivated to heal and to touch people and to affect their lives just because he was such a good guy. No. I mean, it's part of it. God is love. But that's not it, folks. Jesus was going around and beating Satan at his own game. He was driving him out. He was letting the people know, and the people were watching, to say that under this new king, in this kingdom, Satan is defeated. That his works will no longer be tolerated. And he's going around, and he's casting these spirits out who had been tormenting people. That's what he did, because he's a king, and he has defeated Satan. He is the son of God. So, folks, why? Because Jesus is the king of God's kingdom, and he's come to take back what Adam gave away. We know he's the second Adam. He came with a distinct purpose of defeating the enemy and telling him from here on out the kingdom of God will rule over darkness. But here, folks, here is just the simple problem. It's it's not a big problem, but it is a problem. And that is, very few Christians really fully understand what it is that Jesus did for us. Why he is the goat. And why we no longer have to bow down to the spirits of this world. Why we no longer have to be subject to the demonic forces that still are active on this planet. And why we as Christians why we as Christians can begin to walk in the authority and the power in his name that he has given us. When we begin to fully realize this, then we're going to walk out of a fog. We're going to walk out of an understanding. See, I fully believe that the only strategy the enemy has now is ignorance. Ignorance in the people of God. He can't take away what Jesus did. He can't stop what happened. He can't undo what Jesus is. He can't stop who Jesus is. But he can make you believe a lie. And he can fog your mind to the realities of what it is that Jesus did for you and is ready to do in you and through you. Jesus said, I'm going to give you all authority. He says, I'm going away. I did all this for you. And if you read in the book of Ephesians, the first chapter, you will find 
that Paul was very, very engaged with. And he said, this was one of his prayers. He said, Lord, I pray that the people will get this, that they will understand that they are the church, that they will understand that what Jesus did for them, that they have this incredible power, and this power has been reserved and poured out into the church. Read it for yourselves. So, folks, we're here tonight as blood-bought Christians. Is our, is our salvation, I mean, are we going to go to heaven when we die because we've given our life to Christ? Of course. That's awesome. That's the icing on the cake. But the reality is as long as you are here, as long as you have breath in your lungs, as long as you're able to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, as long as you're able to say in Jesus' name, then, my friends, you are more dangerous than you even realize. And when the church finally wakes up and realizes who it is that we are following and what he has done for us and what he has given to us, I'm telling you, we're going to shake some things. We're going to turn this world upside down. Is it the will of God? Of course it is. Jesus said, look, go into all the world and tell them what it is that I did. Tell them to believe and they will Receive. They'll, they'll be saved. Tonight, I'll tell you, nothing was more kingdom than what we did in that tank tonight. To see these young people, to see these folks give their lives to Jesus Christ. Amen? But I'm here to tell you that that's only the beginning. That's only the beginning. When you come up out of that tank, then you walk out a new creature in Christ, armed to the hilt. Armed with weapons that are not of this world armed with the name of Jesus, armed with the ability to pray, armed with the ability to come into agreement in the body of Christ, armed to be able to say, I'm not tolerating the work of Satan. He's been beaten. He's been defeated. It's over for him. It is checkmate. And Jesus made sure that was happening or that happened. I love this. I call this his goat status. In Colossians chapter 1, let me read this. It says this, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. And that's what we're talking about here tonight. We're talking about the invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. He's the goat. He's everything. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. What Jesus did was so powerful. We talked about this last week, that that every name, I mean, his name is above every name, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Folks, here's the reality. It's already done. It's done. There's nothing more that Jesus is going to do. He's waiting on us 
to realize who we are in him. When we realize that we've been called the church, the ecclesia, called out ones, called out of the world, called together, and then called out to change this world in his name. Folks, I'm telling you, I know to speak this, to preach this, to think this is like yelling into a hurricane wind. But if this world would ever, fig- if the church would ever figure out who we are, if we'd ever figure out what we've been given and are able to walk with it confidently, I'm telling you, I am telling you, we can turn cities upside down. We can chase darkness out of communities. We can absolutely transform families and individuals' lives to see freedom, to see real joy, to see deliverance to see people come to Christ that we never thought would ever come to Christ. You know, during this time of worship, I don't know if you felt it, but I certainly did. I think we are on the precipice of one of the greatest revivals that our nation has ever known. I absolutely believe it. And you know why? And you know why? It's because we're probably seeing some of the greatest darkness we've ever known. Whenever the devil throws out his carpet, whenever he makes his grab, what does the Bible tell us? That God raises up a standard against it. But here's the question. How is God going to do that? Is he going to create some other entity? Is he going to produce some other group, give it another name? No. It's called the church, and it's you. Don't look behind you. Don't look to your left or right. Take that finger and put it right there because that's where it goes. It's you. It's you. When you were dead in your sins, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive in Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, and he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. That's what Jesus did for you. Notice he said legal indebtedness. In other words, folks, there's nothing against you. Jesus did it all. He prepared a place. He has has made you, when you come before his throne, and I've said this before, when you come before his throne and you walk up to him and you want to remind him of your sins of the past, he's going, what sins? I blotted him out. I've cast him as far as the east is from the west. You belong to me. Now let's get busy doing what you're called to do, what you've been given power to do, what I've given and put inside your mouth and put in a book wherever you go. It's on your phone. It's on your iPad. It's it's anywhere on the Internet. The words of Christ, his, 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 his empowering abilities, all there. So, folks, let me end this. The conclusion of this battle is this, of this this cosmic war that took place that is still taking place still taking place oh we see it we know it and sometimes it is amazing to me and i'm not trying to you know hurt anybody's feelings but it is amazing to me sometimes how i'm just going to put it like like I'm, i'm feeling it right now how wimpy the church acts i mean i'm sorry we go we go running away screaming waving our hands around. Oh, what are we going to do? Folks, it's our turn. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. Now I give it to you. Go. Make disciples. 
of every nation, teaching them to obey my word. The key is knowing what has been revealed, what has been won, and what we have been given, and what on earth we are going to do about it. Christian, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? Well, I've got some simple solutions for you. We started it with it tonight, didn't we? We worship him. That's where it begins. We lift up the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we let the principalities and powers know. We let those spirits of wickedness. Our praise goes out of this building. It goes up. And the, the, and the heavens shudder, shudder when they hear that name of Jesus. And, we, and, and, and the people of God coming together as one to proclaim him as Lord and Savior. And then we go out of this room and we continue to believe it. And we pray it, we speak it, we declare it, we be it. Folks, it's time. It's your time. And it's a lot simpler than you think, a lot simpler. In fact, he's already done it all for you. You just got to show up to practice, man. You got to put the pads on. Just make sure you're wearing the right uniform. And join in and let God do the victory. Isn't that awesome to think of? That the victory has already been won. We just need to show up to the, to the, uh, the celebration, the after party, if you will. That's all you got to do. So, folks, let's stand up this evening. You are an instrument of praise. Isn't that awesome? You know, these people, they're up here singing, and we've got musicians, we've got people that play instruments, but you are an instrument in God's hands. When you open your mouth up here tonight, when you praise God, you don't realize, I hope you do right now, you do realize that when you begin to praise God, God is using you in a very powerful way. So, just like anything good, right, let's keep doing it. Let's keep doing it. Let's not stop here. Let's continue to make his praise glorious. Amen? Let me have this, the team come on up here as they're coming. I'm going to pray for us because we're going to finish tonight. And so what I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you. Let God hear you tonight. <laughs> Let him see you become an instrument of praise. As you declare these words, they go into your head cycle through your heart and they come out of your mouth they come out in faith they come out through the declarative God called spirit empowered human being and that's you let's pray Lord I thank you tonight that you are the goat Lord I know it's a silly word but we use it Lord to Remind ourselves that you still are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There is no other name. Lord, let the name of Jesus be on our lips. In our times of prayer, in our times of praise, isn't it any wonder that the world wants to try to take that out of our mouths? But Lord, we're just like the, the early Christians when they came before, came before the Sanhedrin. I'm sorry, we can't. He has the words of life. He is the King of kings. He is the goat the greatest of all time. 
Lord, I pray even tonight, Lord, if there's anyone in this room, Lord, that feels separated, Lord, you're able to restore that right now. Your word tells us you're faithful and just, God, to forgive our sins if we confess it. Just before you right now, instantaneously, because of what you did, your blood shed for us. And if there's anyone in this room tonight, you don't know for certain if you died tonight, you'd go to heaven. Look, the gospel is incredibly simple, wonderfully true, and life-changing. Accept Christ. Believe in what he did, who he said he was, and where he is right now. If you believe, my friends, and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is your Lord, you will be saved. That's his promise. Lord, so for the rest of us tonight, God, we're going to finish with worship. So, Lord, we call this awaken. Lord, would you do two things right now? Lord, would you awaken us? Lord, would you just clear out all the cobwebs, God, of fear, Lord, of self-consciousness, of, of pride, ignorance? Just blow it all out, God. And also, God, may we awaken, Lord, the spirit realm surround us. Lord, would you change and transform, Lord, the spiritual situation over this community? Lord, that the heavens would no longer be like brass. But Lord, as we pray, we would see mountains move. That Lord, we would see miracles, healings, deliverances. Those, Lord, bound by drug addiction, lust. Lord, all kinds of bondages, broken even tonight. Lord, use us tonight. Lord, may we be a javelin that you use in the spirit. Lord, a, a smooth stone driven right into the heart of, I'm, in, into the forehead of the enemy. Bring him down. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The battle belongs to the Lord. The battle. Lord, you win it. You're the one who battles it. You're the one who, who, who releases the angelic powers or to beat the enemy. But Lord, it's through our mouths. God, it's through our praise. Lord, what a privilege. What a cool thing. In Jesus' name, amen. Folks, let's do it.